Welcome to the Jam Pack Report today for April the 23rd of 2023. My name is Samuel Adams, and on today's show, we ask the question, why aren't games coming to Xbox? Of course, that's a bit of an exaggeration. We have tons of games that launch on the platform, but we have some big skips that happened last week and that are coming in the months ahead, with Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster and Oxenfree 2 Lost Signals both totally skipping Microsoft's platform. On top of that, we have Sony confirming they've acquired their 20th member of the PlayStation Studios family. The Division Day happened last week and brought some exciting news on the Division Heartland. Xbox is building a new dashboard and more. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into it. To start off today's show, Xbox has an exclusivity problem, and I'm not talking about too many games coming exclusively to Xbox. I'm talking about the direct inverse of that, where games are skipping Xbox exclusively and going to pretty much every other platform. And we've seen this in a couple of different examples over the past week, but I want to go back to Jazz Gordon at Windows Central from 17 days ago when he writes, Square Enix once again snubs Xbox for a major upcoming game launch. And he's talking about Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster. This is a bigger deal than most people might realize depending on their personal interest, but this is a remastered collection of Final Fantasy 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. And these are iconic experiences that a lot of people grew up with back in the day. And so this, from a game preservation perspective, is nice to see. They're bringing these games forward, but they're coming to everything except for Xbox. Jess Gordon writes, on April 19th, fans on Nintendo Switch and PlayStation 4 and 5 will be able to pick up the entire collection of classic RPGs in their all-trained suplexing glory. This announcement makes Xbox quite literally the only place you cannot play these games. You can buy them on PC, you can buy them on Android and iPad, and to add insult to injury, they're even available on Amazon's Fire Tablet App Store, R.I.P. This is an example of Square Enix doing what Square Enix does, and Final Fantasy has a mixed history on Xbox. Some games come to the platform, some don't, and it really just is handled on a case-by-case basis, which is super unfortunate for hardcore fans of Final Fantasy because they can dip their toe in on Xbox, but they can't go all in on Xbox, and it creates a negative experience for the long-term fans that do want to be all in in Microsoft's ecosystem. I don't think it's for a lack of fanfare, because Final Fantasy is pretty much universal when it comes to interest, but Square Enix does have a strong history and relationship with PlayStation, and to some degree even Nintendo, and so it makes sense from a console perspective for them to bring those games exclusively to Nintendo and PlayStation. Where they lose me is why bring it to Amazon's Fire Tablet store? That's what's confusing to me. Why can I play these Pixel games on my Amazon Fire Tablet that's like 100 bucks, but I can't play on a machine that's dedicated to gaming that's very popular for a lot of audiences around the world? And this is similar to the situation as well that you see with Octopath Traveler and Octopath Traveler 2 where the first Octopath Traveler game did come to Xbox, and in fact it was even available on Game Pass for a time. But then, Octopath Traveler 2 comes out, 
nowhere to be found on Xbox. Not available in Game Pass, obviously, because it's not available on Xbox. And so you're segmenting your demographic here. You're segmenting your audience by releasing some games and releasing others in different locations. And so it's just really unfortunate to see. And my question is, why? What is the strategy behind what Square Enix is doing with both of these games? And it's not something that is devastating to me as somebody who is, once again, not a big Final Fantasy guy. This is not a game that I would be interested in playing, but I understand where the anger is coming from. I understand the frustration because this is a major release. This is getting rave reviews across the board, and it's a collection of classic games. It makes sense for people to be upset about it. Now, on top of that, in the same week, Oxenfree 2 Lost Signals has been confirmed to come out on everything except for Xbox as well, including Netflix. I want to reiterate that. The game is going to be also released on Netflix. So this is a situation that also makes sense when you look behind the scenes because Night School Studios was acquired by Netflix back in 2019. Excuse me, 2021. My bad, had the date wrong. Uh, But Netflix put out a PR statement where they said we're in the early stages of creating a great gaming experience for our members around the world. So we're excited to announce today Night School Studio is joining Netflix. They talk more about the history and its impact uh, through Oxenfree, which is a very popular indie back in the day. But now you see the fruits of this investment coming to fruition. You see the fact that now you have Oxenfree 2 coming to PlayStation, Switch, PC, and Netflix. So you are going to be able to play on the go via a Netflix subscription, but it's not coming to Xbox. And so this situation with Oxenfree 2 Lost Signals is the first, in my opinion, example that we're seeing of Netflix really going all in on gaming and going head-to-head with Xbox because at the end of the day, Netflix is a subscription, Xbox's primary item they're selling, the primary product they have on the market, is not the Xbox consoles, it is Game Pass. And so now, you start to see them beefing up this Netflix first-party library through a subscription service where they say Xbox Game Pass is the biggest competitor in the subscription gaming space. We should get in on that action. Let's start off with a slew of good indies. And as many other podcasts have called out, Netflix has been going pretty hard on bringing third-party games over to Netflix. I mean, they had the uh, activations as well with Stranger Things, where you did have a Stranger Things that was available on the go. Into the Breach is available on mobile exclusively through Netflix. And it's a fine port of the game. You just log in with your Netflix account and boom, you're ready to go. No ads, nothing like that. It's just a good example of them investing in that. They don't market it well, and that's another thing many people have called out, but the strategies behind Pixel Remaster and Netflix with Oxenfree 2 both make sense. What I don't want to see happen is a continuation of this, because I could easily see this getting out of hand, and more and more studios are skipping Xbox because of relationships or because of potential contracts that third parties might be signing, and it's ultimately business at the end of the day. These people have decisions to make, and they're choosing to make them one way or another, but Microsoft has to be able to throw down some money and not just acquire studios, not just focus on first-party development. They've got to sign these deals if they want to be a true competitor in the space. If I had my way, games would be available anywhere in the same way that you see many, many games going multi-platform. MLB The Show is a good example of a game breaking out of the PlayStation ecosystem and going to different directions with Xbox and Nintendo. Give more people more opportunities to play more games. But 
these exclusives sell consoles. These exclusives bring people to platforms. That's why Nintendo does it. PlayStation and Xbox all do that. And that's even why smaller consoles like the Ouya back in the day had exclusives that you could only play there that eventually came over to other platforms. They've got to be able to pitch themselves. And so Microsoft is going to have to figure out how to address this situation because it's not a big problem right now for the majority of people. But it could be a problem in the future as these relationships get stronger and as the strategy works. So Microsoft has to get in on the action, and I'm excited to see what they do because they've got to address it. And uh, I think that's the next big hurdle they've got after the Activision Blizzard acquisition finally closes to figure out how to deal with these deals that are being struck. Next up, Sony has acquired Firewalk Studios, making them the 20th member of the PlayStation Studios family. This news comes from Jordan Midler over at VGC, who writes, The developer, which was part of independent game company Probably Monsters, was already working in partnership with PlayStation on a yet unannounced multiplayer IP and will now be fully acquired by the console maker. Herman Hulst, head of PlayStation Studios, writes, The studio shares our passion for creating inspiring worlds grounded in exceptional gameplay, and we want to continue to invest in their mission. We're excited for Firewalk to bring their technical and creative expertise to PlayStation Studios to help grow our live service operations and deliver something truly special for gamers. Now, the statement from Herman goes on to talk more about their history and their goals and things like that. It's a lot of fluff, big PR statement. But no matter how you cut it, any acquisition is significant because number one, it's a studio going first party. And number two, it gives you a look at where that first party is going. PlayStation has been talking for a long time about digging deeper into the live service operations and making more live service games. And I think this acquisition is a signal that the project they're working on now is number one, going well, and number two, could become a big franchise for PlayStation in the years ahead. I think that's almost a given because... If you're going to be putting a ring on it, you know you've got faith this relationship is going to last and you want more of it. And so this could be the first of many games to come from Firewalk Studios. You know, we always talk about how PlayStation tried to make Killzone to compete with Halo, and that never really panned out in the way that they probably hoped that it would. But with a new IP coming into the mix from a new studio, they're always looking to innovate and they've got to figure out what the future looks like because anybody would kill to have one of those platform shaping exclusives and if playstation has faith in firewalk studios and their ability to bring something special in the live service space an acquisition totally makes sense and i do want to say i got to congratulate playstation for strong strategic decisions with their acquisitions they don't go for the big players right now obviously microsoft has a bigger market value they can throw money around and get an abk But with PlayStation, they're using the resources that they've got because they're still a big player in the gaming space to pick and choose these little promising pockets of talent, to pick and choose these studios that are making something special that align with the values the PlayStation has. And I respect the fact that they're aligning with these values. They're sticking to their guns and they know what PlayStation players want. Uh, And I think that this is a really smart move. I'm excited to see what their live service games look like. I mean, we've got projects in the way from Bungie that could potentially be one of those. Uh, We've got uh, Last of Us Factions with that game that's coming out eventually. Uh, We've got now this Firewalk Studios and multiple games behind the scenes on the way. Uh, Tons of exciting stuff. So we'll see where this one pans out. But the PlayStation Studios family grows by one more member. And I'm sure this is just the beginning of many to come because acquisitions are the name of the game when it comes to locking down talent in 2023 and well beyond. Last week, the Division Day went down, and this was on 420, where Ubisoft basically laid everything out in the world of the Division. We got expansion info on the Division 2 Year 5 Season 1, which is exciting for hardcore players of that game. 
I'm not going to be digging too deeply into that because it talks more about the lore and we've got specific characters that are coming back. Hardcore players are going to love that. I never really got into The Division 2, but I do enjoy watching it, and it is a very pretty and fun-looking game. So if you want to dig back in, there's more content coming there. What was exciting for me was The Division Heartland, and this is the new free-to-play Division game that should be launching later this year, and beta signups are available now. And the info that we got is very, very exciting. This is The Division Heartland, a developer deep dive, and this is available right now on YouTube if you want to go check it out. But it gives you a look at what the team has in store, and this is a fully fleshed-out Division game that takes place outside of Washington, D.C. or New York. This is in Silver Creek, which is in the heartland of America. And it talks about how, based on the lore, the green poison, the big virus that was spreading in the Division 1, eventually did make it to the heartland, but they didn't get the support from the government that these big hub cities got. So now the residents of this town are pretty much fending for themselves. And night gets crazy. You've got AI that are coming after you. You've got the uh, rogue agents that are coming after you in the form of actual players that are out there in the world, kind of like the Dark Zone from the Division 1. And it just looks like it's going to be a really fun free-to-play experience. Now, the question is, what does the monetization look like? TBD on that side. Uh, but as far as the gameplay goes, really interesting PvEVP stuff where you've got to fight other players, you've got to complete objectives. And I think it's going to shape up to be a really interesting approach to the division that feels familiar, uh, but that also brings something new. So this is one that I've got my eye on. It's very mixed in my community. I put out a video on TikTok that got about half a million views, tons of comments of people that are, number one, hesitant about a free-to-play game, number two, hesitant about Ubisoft. People are not confident in this publisher's ability right now. And I get that. It's been a rough couple of years for Ubisoft. They've had a lot of failures, some wins, uh, but a whole lot of failures. And so a lot of people don't think the game is going to be supported long term. A lot of people are worried once again about being nickeled and dimed once the game comes out as far as how it's actually going to be monetized. What will that look like? Uh, and no one can really know. 100% until the game launches or until we get closer to launch because more info is going to be coming later this summer. I tend to be an optimistic. I like to take things at face value. And for me, the Division Heartland is looking really interesting. And as somebody who doesn't want to throw 70 bucks around on any game willy nilly, free to play is going to be getting me in the door on day one, if anything, just to enjoy some of that third person gameplay that I enjoy from the Division. And so I think it's a wise move to make it free to play. And I hope to see it be one of those long term successes. And I've got to say, Ubisoft is on a bit of a win streak because I've been playing a ton of X Defiant and I know that I've been ringing this bell on social media. I put out a deep dive on my impressions of X Defiant as a casual player on the video uh, that went out on Saturday if you want to check that out. But this is a free-to-play FPS coming from Ubisoft that brings together a lot of different IP across their uh, publishing arm where you've got Far Cry, The Division, Ghost Recon all represented here in the form of maps and players uh, and, of course, weaponry as well. And it plays incredibly smoothly. This is a very fun experience. And that is what matters beyond anything else. Bring fun gameplay and bring enjoyable experiences that respect players' time and their money. And you've got some wins. 
I see both of these as wins so far. And so I'm excited for the future. I think Ubisoft is on the right track here because they have one more shot to really make it or break it before they're prime for an acquisition because there's been a lot of rumors about that. You know, we've been talking about Sony potentially picking up Ubisoft if that was a strategic move they wanted to make. But right now, independently, they're doing things that are really interesting to me that feel really good. And those are the two most important things. So the Division Day was great for the Division fans, but between Heartland and X Defiant. I'm pretty impressed with the roster they've got coming. Now, going back to the Division Day as well, there is also the mobile game that's on the way. And so that is the Division Resurgence. Now, there is limited info on this one. And I think this one is prime for cancellation. I'm calling it how I see it. You know, I could be wrong about that. I hope that I'm wrong about that. But the way the mobile games have been going, Battlefield Mobile was in beta. They pulled the plug on that one over at Electronic Arts. Apex Legends was in development for mobile and actually came out and was mildly successful. But they said they didn't have the player count to warrant how much development money was going into that one. So they pulled the plug on that as well. Doesn't really make sense to be putting out a division game on the go. I don't think it's going to be something that people want to play for hours on end. But depending on the game they put out, we would have to see. Uh, You can sign up for the upcoming test phase right now. And they've got a webtoon coming out later in 2023 whatever, uh, if you want to check that out. Uh, But the next test phase is coming out this summer. So if you want to check out the mobile division experience that's on the way, you can. I still think the big wins are going to be in Heartland. And of course, ongoing support for the Division 2 as well is nice to see. But Heartland and X Defiant definitely have my eyes and ears. So I'll be keeping my, uh, my eyes peeled for more info when it comes out later this summer. But let me know down below. What do you think about the current state of Ubisoft? I would love to know if you think they're going to be good, bad, or ugly in the next couple of years. When it comes to Xbox, there are plenty of complaints the players have, but one of them that's been growing over the past couple of months has been the Xbox dashboard, because the team has been working to build a new dashboard, and they've implemented it right now, and what you see is a lot of cards that do a lot of advertising. You see a lot of Game Pass, a lot of store ads, but on top of that, they're blocking up the backgrounds, and so now we have the confirmation that Xbox is planning to make a new dashboard that feels less crowded. This is something that Jazz Gordon commented on over at Windows Central late last night when he said that the new Xbox dashboard is on the way and he said it's looking good. So he could have some insider information there, but no details were shared beyond that. But over at Pure Xbox, they write, Xbox has announced today that plans are in the works to improve the new Xbox Home UI that's currently being tested by some Xbox insiders, with current experiments being paused ahead of bigger updates coming soon. They say, quote, we heard from you that the changes to the top of home did not leave enough space for you to enjoy your backgrounds and that it felt crowded. We're working to balance the experience, accessibility, function and the needs of our community and bring you a great and refreshed home experience. So TBD on when this comes, I would estimate probably like a fall launch for a new dashboard. But I was talking about this in a community that I'm in over at XCP. They have a great Discord. I'm a Patreon of the Xbox Expansion Pass. We talk about them a lot here on the show. But one of the big takeaways that I had uh, with this conversation is that the dashboard for Xbox Series X and S never felt like a generational leap forward. Not that it needed to, but between on the PlayStation side of things, PS3, PS4, and PS5, they have the cross-media bar at its core that always feels familiar, but the UI has something that feels definitively new and refreshed. So when you boot that console up for the first time, you say, wow, 
This is something that is futuristic. This is the new console. I'm feeling good about it. And with Xbox, especially going from the Xbox One X to the Xbox Series X, the games ran better. Quick resume is awesome. New content, obviously, is coming exclusively to next gen now, or I should say current gen. But as far as the user experience goes, pretty much the same across the board. There's nothing that makes the new Series X stand out. So it'll be interesting to see if they bake features in that make the UI run faster that can only be used on the Xbox Series X and S, or if this is going to be something that comes as a cross-generational update. Uh, but it would be nice to see more of my background, because Xbox has these beautiful dynamic wallpapers that add motion and just nice touches uh, to your gaming experience. So right now I've got the Dead Space one that's up that they released earlier this year when Dead Space launched in January, and it's this beautiful planet in the background. There's the Halo one they have right here on Pure Xbox, and there are plenty of uh, abstract ones as well with lines and stars and things like that, but it is nice to be able to switch it up and to have it blocked by the games you're playing isn't necessarily an inconvenience, but the giant list of new Game Pass announcements, the Microsoft Store, it just makes things feel a little bit cluttered, so it would be nice to see it cleaned up, and it looks like that is on the way. But in the months ahead, you should be concerned because you are going to be having a lot of games on that dashboard if you're playing on Xbox because Diablo 4 has gone gold. Can you feel her presence now, says the official Diablo Twitter account. They write, see you in Sanctuary 6623. So Diablo has officially gone gold. That means the game is done. It is on the way. Version 1 is officially coming on June the 6th. I'm pumped about this, and on top of that, there's also a new Server Slam event that's going down Mother's Day weekend, May 12th through the 14th, that you can dive back in, and the beta is going to be live for one more time before the launch the following month. Awesome to see, number one, that it's gone gold. Number two, cool to see people can dive back in. And there's also an exclusive cosmetic you can unlock if you do level back up to level 20 once again. Not too hard to do, but for me, I'm not going to be returning back to Sanctuary before Diablo 4 comes out because I don't want to regrind those levels. I'm fine with where I am, and uh, the cosmetics ultimately are going to be replaced within probably two hours of me playing the full game either way. Big deal, though, because this is obviously one of the biggest games of the year, and the fact that it's not getting delayed any, not that anybody ever thought that it would, uh, is always good to see. But on top of that, if you have something to play between now and then, or if you don't have anything to play, I should say, Street Fighter VI has a demo that's out now on PlayStation and comes this week to Xbox and PC. During the Street Fighter VI showcase earlier today, writes Jason Finelli over at GameSpot, Capcom announced a demo for Street Fighter VI, which is out now on PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5, with the Xbox and PC versions launching on April the 26th. So if you do want to dive in, you can get your hands on one of the year's biggest fighters right now with one-on-one -on -one extreme battle, tutorial, and character guides as well. And visually, the game looks stunning. I mean, I'm not a big fighting game guy. I do like digging in and watching some Evo whenever that season comes around. But it's cool to be able to see that the game is getting into players' hands a little bit early. You can check out, see if it's something you do want to pick up. Uh, I know a ton of people that are going to be diving into this one with fight sticks and special controllers. This is absolutely going to be a big deal for the rest of 2023 and beyond. And I'm also glad they changed up the logo. I like the way the game looks itself now. Uh, so you can check it out now on PlayStation, again coming on April the 26th to Xbox and Xbox Series S, or I should say Series X and Series S, as well as PC. So hey, you can check it out now and then get ahead of the release in June.
But that wraps up today's episode of the Jam Pack Report. If you like what you see or what you hear, be sure to hit that subscribe button on YouTube, drop the video a like, or if you're listening on podcast services, add the show to your podcast feed and get it delivered to you each and every week. We upload on Sundays, but on top of that, we'll have a video here and there of some big news breaks, which is always fun to do throughout the week. I appreciate each and every one of you. We just hit 10K on YouTube a couple of weeks ago. We hit 10K on TikTok. This has been an incredible year with much more to come and some awesome games to talk about along the way. So I'll catch you guys on the next one. Have a fantastic rest of your week and as always, keep on playing.